Welcome to the Husband Material Podcast, where we help Christian men outgrow porn. Why? So you can change your brain, heal your heart, and save your relationship. My name is Drew Boa, and I'm here to show you how. Let's go. I am really excited to welcome Dan Hitz today, Director of Reconciliation Ministries, which is a member ministry of the Restored Hope Network. Hey, thank you, Drew. Good to be here. Yeah, it's good to see you. I got connected to you through Doug Carpenter doing some other good work up there in Michigan. Yeah, Doug's an awesome guy. He's uh, He's been a, a good blessing to me personally and ministerially. Mm-hmm. Dan, could you briefly explain what is Restored Hope Network? Yeah, Restored Hope Network is um, a network of ministries, counselors, and church affiliates that helps men and women and adolescents overcome unwanted same-sex attraction and get help for gender confusion. So we, we help people really walk away from these struggles that we then ask for, we then hope for, we then decide to do, but we found ourselves in the middle of, and really learn to embrace biblical sexuality with the highlight of who we are in Christ. And understanding who we are in Jesus helps us to live the way Jesus designed us to live. Mm-hmm. Dan, today we are talking about an uncomfortable topic, maybe one that doesn't get talked about enough, which is mother wounds. Why are we talking about this today? Yeah, we're real big, tough guys, right? So we're not supposed to be walking around in mother wounds. But yeah, the, the, the truth is a lot of us have them. But it's an important thing. And, and just to kind of put into perspective what mother wounds are, it's, uh, you know, the moms were created by God to give us that sense of safety. I'm cared for. You know, if I'm hungry, she feeds me. If something gets smelly and I'm kind of uncomfortable and wet, she changes me. And that just even as an infant, teaches us that we're cared for, we're valuable, we have a sense of purpose, and well, a sense of belonging and being. So mother wounds are, of course, the opposite of that. And that sense that we're not safe, we're not comfortable, always kind of living on edge, like, yeah, something's mm-hmm. not quite right, but I can't really, can't really put my finger on it. And so a lot of us walk around with that, where I think we're so used to it, we don't notice it. So really talking about it helps us realize it's there and helps us realize, yeah, I I need some work here. And God's willing to do that work and really help us be more of who he designed us to be. Yeah. If you had to define what is a mother wound, what would you say? Yeah. Boy, I would say it's kind of going through life with that gnawing emptiness inside. That, that, That it's an emptiness, but it still feels really painful. And that brings that sense of, I'm, I'm really not a whole person like my being here. I, I, I would describe myself when I had this, the really worst of my mother when there's a prisoner in my own body, like here I am, I'm trapped, but I don't know how they feel comfortable. I don't know how to reach out. So with that void, we can tend to just kind of be self-sufficient. Like this is this void. No one's going to fulfill it. And when I have needs, they don't get met. So I'm going to be self-sufficient. But at the same time, we can just kind of look for someone and, and single out someone to like, yeah, that person, that person will enmesh, I'll enmesh myself with them. I'll try and kind of like shove them into that void in my heart. So I was kind of like the most self-sufficient codependent person I ever knew. So how do you be both at the same time? But when we don't feel comfortable in our own skin, we can very often look for somebody else's skin to live into. And also with the mother wound, it's kind of like anger, just bubbling up. Our needs aren't met. Life isn't good. I don't feel like a real person. So it's, it's just, this, I was walking around with a sense of anger and resentment that just kind of was, was there. And I was, of course, a nice guy, but it was just bubbling below the surface. So really walking around, trying to keep a lid on all this hurt inside. Because with the mother wound too, if, if we don't get nurtured by our moms, cared for by our moms, we don't learn how to soothe ourselves in the right way. And we don't know how to calm ourselves in the right way. And that's what leads us open to addictions and, and brokenness and all sorts of sinful behavior, trying to fill up that wound and trying to calm this, this kind of always there sense of, of fear and anxiety. So sexual stimulation and masturbating to porn can become a replacement mothering experience. Right. Yeah. 
if we want to be soothed, even as a little toddler, I discovered masturbation as a little kid. And I'm like, wow, this, you know, of course, there's this chemical release that happens even as a little child. Like, wow, this is soothing. And then as the sexual urges kind of turn on or, or even as I was unfortunately exposed to sexual activity from abuse at an early age, that gets linked. And the abuse was unfortunately from my mother. Um, she was giving me a bath as a, a pre-kindergarten kid. And, you know, moms are supposed to be safe. They're supposed to be the most trustworthy people on, on the planet. And all of a sudden mine wasn't. But at the same time with abuse and, and all those dynamics in the body response, there was also in the middle of the fear, there was this physically calming dynamic that was going on. And so that to me got linked, you know, yeah. mom and abuse and sexuality was all linked together. Now that's an extreme case of mother wound, right? Most people don't have that extreme of a case. So I think it's important to note that, you know, mother wounds can happen from well-meaning mothers who are trying their best to be the best mom, mm -hmm. but through no fault of their own, maybe there was an illness and mom was in the hospital for weeks or months, right when the baby was born or during the toddler years. Maybe mom was really working hard to hold down two jobs, to pay the bills and to support the family. She comes home, she's exhausted, and she still does all the laundry, she still does all the cooking, but not much bandwidth left over to really nurture the kids, read them stories, and play with them. They, we can still experience a mother wound from that. And yes. that can even cause the guilt to come in, right? Because wait a minute, mom really worked hard. She was there, but still there's you know that, that fear. So it, it is important to put that, you know, point that out. And those tend to be more subtle mother wounds but nonetheless can impact us in a big way. So it can be obvious, like an experience that was blatantly ab abusive, like what you went through in the bathtub, or it could be like as undetectable as carbon monoxide. Yeah, that's a good way to point it out, right? And it can also be before we really remember it. Like, you know, in the case, you know, mine what I would say is probably the more typical run of the old mother wound that just happened. My mom's mental illness really kicked up right after I was born. So we're talking, I'm an infant and she spent a lot of time in the hospital. So at this point, she's not doing harm to me. She's just through no fault of her own with the mental illness being hospitalized. So they kept me in the bassinet and yeah, here I'm, I'm getting my own ministry and, you know, we're all therapists for a reason. So, you know, for a therapist, <laughs> you know, there's a background there somewhere. So I'm getting my own ministry one time and I got this impression of me in a bassinet, like crying and crying and crying. It's like, there's no way to remember stuff as we're an infant. And it's just physiologically, you know, we're not developed yet. Yet this image is real strong as my friends praying for me and asking God, you know, what's the brokenness in my heart? And then I saw this, this picture of my dad getting about this close to my little infant face and just yelling, would you stop crying? Would you shut up before you make your mother crazy again? And in that impression, I was like, just stop crying. Like, okay, I'm going to comply. So, you know, now we've got a blatant father wound. Although my dad was a nice guy, I think he was just at the end of his rope with a legitimate no fault of her own mother wound. And okay, I'll stop. I'll stop crying. I'll stop feeling. So I'm getting my prayer ministry and, and, and we're going to this impression. And I'm like, you know, this, let's call it a word of knowledge or the Lord showing me at the very least, I think it's a representation of what happened in our souls. And, and that, even without the abuse, that would have left a huge impact on me. And here I can't really remember it. And I needed to be open to the Holy Spirit to bring that healing. And God did it in a beautiful way. It's, he let me know. God let me know. It's okay to have a voice. It's okay to have needs. It's okay to verbalize displeasure. Now, he wants us to do it the right way. But that really helped. Because, you know, I'll tell you what, Drew, I, I followed that father around, you know, and, and I lived my life as my very existence poisons people. My very existence is bad in my very existence must have surely made my mom crazy. And you know what? It's really bizarre because the enemy reinforced that through the years. 
there was another time where my mom, I was probably four or five-ish years old. And this one I do remember. And my mom was in and out of the hospital and she had just gotten out. So that would have meant there was a whole lot of yelling, a whole lot of crazy, a whole lot of slam doors, which is terrifying for kids, right? Before she went in. Now she's out. And I was crying. It's like, so this is a little kid's job description. We cry because we're little kids and that's what we do. You know, we know how to do that. And she looked at me and said, Danny, Danny, you know, I'm allergic to your tears. You need to stop crying because if you keep crying, you're going to send me back to the hospital again. Again, that reinforces, oh, not only do I not have a safe mom, not only can I not verbalize, I am poisoned to my mom because she's allergic to my tears and I'm crying because that's what kids do. But it also amped that mother wound up to another step of now I'm responsible to parent my mom. And so those, that role got reversed. And you know, I've got four siblings. So out of the five of us kids, literally three of us are therapists. And, you know, the other one worked for underprivileged kids. And I remember as a little kid, you know, now the roles are getting flipped, right? I'm parenting mom. And my sisters were talking and mom was amping up again. So she's getting ready to go back in the hospital. And my sisters said, you know, she just needs someone to talk to. Oh, yeah, me. I'll be that one. So I'm probably six, seven, eight-ish years old, somewhere in there. And I remember distinctly, I'm going to talk to mom. And so she wanted to go, you know, I was allergic to smoke and she would smoke like a chimney. She was going to go down in our basement to smoke. And I thought, now's my chance. I'm going to talk to mom. I'm going to fix mom because really it's not about fixing mom. It's about if I fix mom, I'm safe, but I'm going to talk to mom and help her. I'm going to, you know, essentially I was trying to be a seven-year-old therapist. And I remember she looked at me and was like, well, don't you want me to go downstairs and smoke? What, what's wrong? Why, why can't I leave? And I didn't have the words. And I just started crying. Like, in my mind, I failed. I haven't fixed mom. And even that thought of, you know, I don't have the words, to me, really summarizes what a mother wound is. We, we may not even have the words for it. We just know sometimes we don't even really feel like a person. And obviously, we are a person but we don't feel like a good enough person, a valid enough person, a whole enough person. And so that's an example to me of a real subtle mother wound, you know, the beginning of the subtle bassinet mother wound. And then, you know, dad wound gets in there and how it progresses. And incidentally, a couple of years after that prayer session, I talked to my sister who's a therapist and said, Hey, Pam, did, did dad ever put me in the bassinet when I was an infant, just kind of let me cry and cry. And she's like, oh my gosh, Dan, you, mama's in and out of the hospital. Grandma would come over. But in the, in the meantime, dad would put you in the bassinet, man, and you would cry and cry and cry. And she is a little girl, probably what, five, six years old. So she said, I went to dad one time. I said, you have got to do something with that baby. You can't just let him cry. So it's like, wow, that, you know, we don't have video of what happened in that impression in the prayer ministry, but that validated. Well, I think God really gave me a word of knowledge. And in his mercy, he's showing me, hey, Dan, here's where some of your insecurities are coming from. And by the way, you know, God shows us stuff so he can fix it, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give you your voice back. I'm going to let you know it's okay to have a need. And it's okay to cry in the right parameters when you need to. And that, that, I, I'm so thankful for that part of it. Praise the Lord. That's who our God is. Yes. Yeah. He's a good father. And at times, he describes himself as playing that motherly nurturing role too. Yeah. And if you have a mom like mine, that freaks you out. So so how do we come to that place where I can let God be a nurturer because in my healing journey, man, I knew how to turn my emotions off, right? Because, you know, starting in the bassinet, stop crying, you'll make your mother crazy. And in an abuse, of, the emotion hurts so much anyway. We're gonna, I, I turned them off so it wouldn't freak me out so I could survive. And so I knew how to turn my emotions off. I knew how to keep people at bay, even though I wanted to enmesh myself with other people, certain selected ones. But to let God be that healing mother. So I spent a little bit of time telling them, hey, you know what, God, talk to the other side of the hand because, you know, I'm not so, so sure you're safe. After all, you, you picked my mom. Acts 17 says, you know, God picks the time and the place of our birth or our nations. 
so that we can look for him. And it's not a far stretch, you know, if God knits us together in their mother's womb, if he picks a time and a place, he picked their mother's womb too. It's like, yeah, what's with that? And I had to duke that one out with God. But I tell you what, Drew, that was some of my, that was really the beginning of my deep healing for the mother wound. Yeah. Yeah. God brought healing between there. But when I first got saved, you know, I can remember I was raised in a church, but mom would do these really weird religious-y demonic things when she was having her issues. So like, yeah, if this is a church, you know, I'm not quite sure about it. So I walked away from God for a time. Then I came back. And it's like, no, I'm not ready for this intimacy with Jesus, but I can at least do the Christian disciplines because, you know, I meant business with God. I wanted this to work. So I'm in church every time the doors were open, man, I'm praying hopefully twice a day, morning and evening sacrifice, man. I'm, I'm even getting into ministry so that, you know, I can do great things. So therefore God will fix me on my terms, not his, because I'm doing all these awesome things for him. And you know, of course that doesn't work. But God did honor the disciplines, and he broke the terror of women down to a fear of women. And I got married uh, a couple years after I got saved. Still married today. She has not killed me in my sleep. She's an angel, wonderful woman. But even there, it was like, I'm afraid of my wife, who is perfect for me. And so the duke it out time in the mother wound I had with God was, you know, maybe after 15 years of Christian disciplines, I, I basically was ready to collapse. And that's when I finally got into the recovery ministry and the healing ministries. And I was at a father's love seminar. So we're getting back to your, you know, God stepping in his mom's nurturing female love and nurturing masculine love. And it was the end of it. And I thought, man, it's been awesome. I really want God to meet me at the end of this in the final closing session. And it just wasn't happening. I was like, okay, this is kind of boring. And then they did the father's love letter. It was Jack Frost from Shadow Place Ministries who passed away years ago. But if you know of him, he was really good at, at, at sharing the father's love. And he talked about, you know, God lovingly taking the, the sperm from our father and the egg from our mother and putting them together in our mother's womb. And I'm laying there and not feeling anything. Also, when he talked about that and knitting us together and placing the sperm and egg in our mother's womb is like, what? And all of a sudden, like decades worth of pain and anger and fury came bubbling up. And I'm laying there at the altar and just couldn't take it. And just, you just not loose with this huge, frustrated, angry scream and kick the ground. And I thought, man, that was stupid because my foot really hurts now. And then before I could like calm myself down, another wave comes up. And I just screamed again and hit the ground with my hand. And I thought, man, this is stupid because now my hand really hurts. And I literally went for two weeks after this. And I thought, man, they're going to like haul me off into one of them side rooms for deliverance. But it really, it, it wasn't demonic. It was pure, raw pain, anger at God and frustration. And they were cool. They just laid there, you know, sat there with me, put their hand on my back and they prayed for it must have been a good 45 minutes. No one said anything. They were just, I knew they were there with me, which, which speaks volumes because my mom wasn't with me. But here this, this guy is in a safe way, his hand on my shoulder and my back while I'm freaking out, being there with me. And it was okay to freak out, which is really cool. What a contrast to the bassinet when I couldn't even cry. And duking it out with God, and it finally got to this place, what really broke me was when I decided that I needed to accept the facts on the ground, much like the grief cycle for death, where acceptance in the grief cycle doesn't mean that what happened, we're going to say it's good, but we're just going to stop fighting it, stop resisting it, and admit, you know what, my mother wound really happened. My mom's abuse to me really happened. I have to accept that. And then also, though, I need to trust God. And at first I was like, God, I don't know how you did this. I don't know why this all works together. I don't know all the, the theology of this. And frankly, God, I think what you did was pretty stupid. And he just kind of lovingly said, well, back at you, son, because the wisdom of man is foolishness to God. Yeah, well, you know, we'll get there later. And, and I finally just said, but God, you know what, uncle, I surrender. I will trust you. I will stop being mad at you. And I will accept your plan for my life. And I still get a little bit choked up when I think about it, because right when I said to God, I surrender, uncle, I literally, I was like, I got nothing left. God said, hey, Dan, 
I always raise up Moses under the nose of Pharaoh. And it shook me. And it made me realize so much. It's one of those times where God only says a sentence, but he says volumes. But it let me know that all of my struggle, my mother wound issues, my abuse recovery, all of this can now have a purpose in God. When God did not make my mom abuse me, he did not want my mom to abuse me. This was not really you know, part of his plan to make mom abuse me and Dan recovers, but it happened. And he doesn't violate free will, which really makes him safe, right? Because our abusers don't care about free will, man. They'll violate it any day of the week. But God doesn't violate our free will. So he's safe and he can take this mess of our lives and he can turn it for good. And not only that, Moses was a deliverer. And so through the, the mercy of God, the redemption of God, he can empower us to be a deliverer for those that need help. And now, God, my life has meaning. Now it has purpose. And now I am a person, which I was before, but I can get it now. I, 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 I don't feel like a non-entity anymore. I'm a redeemed man of God who has a purpose and a voice. And I have a God that cares and is safe. And I'll tell you what, from, from that day, I did limp for a couple of weeks, but from that day forward, man, it's, it's not been the same. And there's been a deeper intimacy with God where like, okay, I can't trust him. Now, there's still other times where like, yeah, God, you ain't going there. We work through it. He always wins. Thank you, Jesus. And he comes in. But it really, that was the beginning of me to be able to, to accept that part of Jesus that looked at. Jerusalem and wanted to gather Jerusalem under his wings like a hen gathers her chicks, that feminine nurturing. And I can receive it from God. And, and I don't care, even if my mom were 90 years old and she were still alive and she was lucid in her right mind, there is no human healing of the mother when it goes that deep. It has to be supernatural. And God can bring it. God can do it as we let him. Amen. Dan. Thank you for sharing your story with us. You're welcome. How did that impact your relationship with your wife? Oh, boy. I, I married an angel. And, you know, we were dating. And I was still afraid of women at this point. And, and I was involved in, and technically I was bisexual. But, but before Christ, I, I would identify and say I'm gay. My goal was to find Mr. Right. But at the same time, wait, no, I, don't, I didn't choose this. I mean, here it is. What am I supposed to do with this? Yet, okay, this is incongruent with my faith. But even as a broken, unsaved guy, I was trying to date girls because I wanted a normal life, right? I wanted the wife and kids. I just didn't think I could ever accomplish it, but I'll try and date anyway. So when I'm saved, I've got all this stuff going on below the surface, right? I'm doing the Christian calisthenics. Holy Spirit's tapping on my shoulder. Hey, Dan, we got to talk about how you feel as a man. We got to talk about your response to the abuse. And, and I'm like, yeah, we're not going there. I'm just going to keep doing my, my, my Bible reading, my prayer, and, and tell you to fix me on my terms. And so when I met my wife, somehow I, I, I saw her and I knew she's safe, but she didn't necessarily feel safe. And, and I would still have this anxiety. And, you know, we had five kids of our own. We figured out the physical intimacy part, obviously. And yet, even with that, there was still this red alert going on in my heart that, you know, she's not really safe, even though I knew she was. And I was also withholding a lot of information from her. You know, when we first started dating, I told her about my same sex background, but I didn't tell her the degree that I was still struggling. And she didn't ask any questions. That was perfect, you know, in my mind. And yet there was always this part of my heart that I couldn't really fully give to her or let her in. And battling mental porn at that point, you know, it's like, okay, you know, she's got a cast iron skillet. She's not afraid to use it. I better not be doing real porn because, you know, it would be a disaster. But man, you know, I got a four-year TV production degree and I could do better porn, unfortunately, in my mind with a vivid imagination that I could get back in the day. Yeah, that brings self-hatred, right? Because there's this compulsive draw, the self-hatred. And this is all affecting my relationship with my wife even though we never talked about it and she may not have even been able to identify specifics. And yet when I began to drop that wall between God and myself and let him bring healing, 
I began to understand who I am as a man, even with healing from the mother wound. I began to realize also, pretty cool, who other women are. Like, wait a minute, not all women are psycho chicks. There's some safe women out there. And, you know, not all men are safe. There's some bad men out there. And the Holy Spirit began to be my filter instead of my brokenness being my filter. And so I realized, okay, I don't have to protect myself from my wife. She's safe. And I can let her into my heart more. And our intimacy really bloomed at that point. Now, we were married about 15, 16 years before I, I finally opened up and got healing. So there's a lot of strain in the marriage, a lot of anger spilling out. It affected my kids. It affected my marriage. But as I got healing and as the mother wound issues began to be resolved, I don't have to protect myself. I can be calm. And our intimacy deepened. And my, my wife actually said something pretty cool when we first got married that really set us up for, for freedom and healing. Because people with mother wounds can tend to be codependent in a mesh and others to try and fix it. But right when we first got married, she looked at me and said, hey, Dan, I love you, but I realize you can never fulfill me. And I realize I can never fulfill you. And I didn't have the depth of understanding back then, but I just thought, wow, that brings freedom that I, I don't have to demand, nor should I demand that she does something to fulfill me that she can't possibly do. She's never going to be my mom. She's never going to bring healing there because she's human. But I can enjoy the benefits in the, in the beauty of a Christian marriage and Christian fellowship. And that was such a great thing. And, and, and I say, you know, I, I got into healing and recovery. My wife got a new husband out of the thing. Still me. And my kids got a new dad. <laughs> it, it totally changed how I felt about myself and other people. And I'm so thankful for that. Wow. I'm just going to take a moment and just stretch like, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, brother. I am so thankful for what God's done. A few times now you've mentioned this impulse toward enmeshment and kind of wrapping your arms around someone's skin and having their skin be your skin. Yeah. And that really reminded me of the skin to skin contact that little children need from their mothers. Yeah. And there are so many symptoms that you mentioned along the way and especially at the beginning of the episode that I think a lot of us can identify with and relate to mm -hmm. like, oh, that gnawing sense of not really yeah. being someone. And this is, I think, a breakthrough to connect mm -hmm. that back to some of those specific childhood experiences. Maybe you've never thought that there was any kind of brokenness with your mom or you know it's there, but now we're connecting it to yes. some of the problems we're experiencing now You've also connected it to some of your specific sexual attractions that men felt safer. Yeah. And it took a lot of rewiring and gentle work from the Holy Spirit to show you that men can be harmful too and women can be safe. And, and that safety created a space for you to connect with your wife rather than f constantly feeling the need to protect yourself from her. Right. Yeah. And, and, and looking back now, I can say, you know, men weren't always safe, you know, and, and looking more at the dynamics. And I couldn't have told you any of this at the beginning of recovery, right? It's like, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what's, what's all the ingredients, but looking at, yeah, women aren't safe and, and, and mom's abuse for me amped up in junior high and, and got progressively worse. And, and I'll spare you the details, but it was just downright demonic and disempowering. And she would say things like, I own you, or worse. And there was at one point where there was an element of abuse that came in that I just freaked and couldn't handle it anymore. That's where I really adopted the, the thought of all women are dangerous. Mm. And getting back to your thought of, you know, me saying all men are safe. Well, that's the abuse sets us up, right? Mother wound set us up for, will somebody validate me? Somebody tell me I'm a, a good person. So when I was about five years old, a boy that was 10 years older than I started abusing me. And, and, and that's so often does abuse starts out, you know, a game. It starts out fun. It starts out like a connection, the grooming process. 
and 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 then the abuse that he was perpetrating got manipulative and got mean, but it didn't last very long. And I think in our grasping, we can we can rewrite history. And so in that element of really dealing with the mother wound and women aren't safe, women are dangerous, I think I reverted to, well, the very beginning of this boy's abuse was fun. You know, it was manipulative, it was sinful, it was harmful, but it was it, it was portrayed as fun. It was portrayed as caring. And so I think that sexuality is so powerful that could, could that kind of jumped me and motivated back to let's rewrite history that all men are safe. And I can even remember sitting on a school bus thinking about this thought right after the, the, the big traumatic thing happened. I decided all women are dangerous. And I was sitting on the school bus thinking, wait a minute, my buddy Ron, his dad's mentally ill too. So all men aren't safe. And I literally said, no, 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 I don't care. I need someone to be safe. All men are safe. And, and kind of like Romans chapter one, choosing to believe a lie, I, I rewrote history and believed it. So part of a healing process is letting go of some of these false things that brought us false comfort and really admitting, you know what? The thought of releasing this false comfort is terrifying to me, but the pathway of healing requires that I do, that I call it what it is, a false comfort, either a sinful comfort or just a broken comfort, and I need to release that to the Lord and trust, trust God, even though we know theologically we can, right? But trust God that he will present me something better. Mm-hmm. And that he really will, even though he didn't intervene as a child growing up in ways that I can imagine, you know, could pinpoint at the time. I can pinpoint it now, but I will still trust him that he'll bring me that peace and calm. And my fulfillment won't come from trying to squish. It literally, it was like I was emotionally trying to bring the other person into me. It, it's the only way I can describe it, not just be connected as you know, joined to the hip best friends, but literally I wanted to become one with these other people that I was involved with. And, and that's really what, that's, that can be so addictive, but that's what we really need to recognize. Yeah, yeah that's not going to work. Jesus, I need to become one with you, right? I need Christ mm. in me. He's, he's willing to come into us and live in us in a very safe, very holy, very pure, non-harmful way. And like we get the better end of that deal because we ain't got nothing for him and he wants us anyway. Cool. Yeah, Christ, come into me fully. Please let me burn with a complete passion for you. That's what we need. That's what we need for someone who is realizing, I actually think I have a mother wound. Maybe it's deeper than I thought. And I need healing. What advice do you have for that person? Mm. Just realize you're not alone. I think the percentage of us walking around with a mother wound, again, mine was pretty extreme, but most of them are not as extreme as mine. Most most of them are very, very subtle. And so recognizing I'm not alone. And the first thing I need to do is, is admit the fact that I have a mother wound. And, you know, sometimes we kind of get all religious on that one too. And like, no, 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 honor your father and mother. I can't talk bad about mom. And our goal is not to talk bad about mom, to slam her. We're not trying to throw blame here. You know, we all have to accept our own responsibilities for, for, for whatever we, we've done and sinned. But we need to identify truly the, the shortcomings of our very human mom, even if she tried to do the absolute best she can. We need to identify those shortcomings so that we know that they need to be fixed. It's kind of like if we have a medical issue. If we deny the medical issue, we can't find out at the doctors what needs to be treated. And we might be taking an aspirin for a headache when we need to treat whatever's causing the headache. So we're not alone. Accept the reality we have a mother wound. Identify what that is. And then seek healthy, whole people in the body of Christ to talk about it with, to get prayer with, whether it's a, a prayer minister or a licensed therapist, or a pastoral caregiver, or a recovery group, we need to really kind of hit it head on. We need to go there. We need to talk about it. Again, we're not, we're not trying to shame mom. We're just looking at an assessment of these are the brokennesses that need to be healed. And with that, we get that healing. It actually will help us love other people better. 
And so we can honor perhaps mother or father better. Yeah. Um, I remember that with my dad, you know, when you're in the trenches with a paranoid schizophrenic mom, you know, dad became the hero, right? Even though there was all this other crazy stuff going on. And I was afraid to say, you know, talk about my father wound with, you know, no, no, I don't want to insult my dad and he's my own hero. You know, we were in the trenches together and I realized, no, 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 I've got to. And I need to name what he did wrong. I need to validate that. And I realized as I worked through that, now my dad was safe. As I worked through that, I could actually love and honor my dad more. And so, you know, mom was not safe to, you know, be vulnerable with dad was. And working through the mother wound, the father wound, whatever, really actually enhances relationships. And it has. Um, I mentioned to you as we were talking before we started recording, you know, I got triggered, you know, getting ready for the mother wound thing. And, you know, I got a, a few of my own little triggers. And I'm sitting there like, okay, I need to reach out to my ministry team for prayer. So I grabbed my phone. And I'm just going down the line asking people, you know, hey, pray for me. And I'm realizing, wow, this is really cool. because. I have almost an equal number of female ministry team members that I'm reaching out to prayer for as male ministry team members. And I'm seeing them as safe and I don't expect them to fix it. I just needed to get on the radar screen and have them pray for me. That's cool. And and that, that, that really amplified like how I can receive now the good of the masculine and the good of the feminine in a very non-sexualized way, but in a holy, pure Christian brother and sister way, which is really awesome because women do have things to offer in a holy way that men can't because they're women and and they're men. And at the same time, men have things to offer that women can't in a holy way and to be able to celebrate that. So I have to look at the benefits of going through healing sometimes because the pain of going through the root canal emotionally or spiritually is like, yeah, but looking at the benefits, man, it's worth it. It's worth being honest. It's worth visiting some painful places. We've tried really hard to forget because the Holy Spirit meets us there and we get healing and we get freedom. And man, that freedom's awesome. And I thank God for it. Yeah. You're getting me all fired up, man. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, because it is worth it. We have to keep our eyes on the prize. Amen. Because this process is excruciating. Yes. And when I began to deal with a mother wound I didn't know I had one year ago, I went through a training program for ministry to be able to help others, and it exposed stuff that I didn't even know was there. I had to get my own counseling as a result of going through that program. (laughs) It brought me into counseling. I was like, what? Awesome. When I was in the thick of feeling like a crazy person, duking it out with God, naming the ways that I was harmed. I couldn't look at my mother for very long. Her face was difficult for me to behold. It actually was very painful and I did not want her to kiss me. And that was really hard for her and that was really hard for me to see that it was hard for her. A year later, after doing this hard work, I'm actually telling her, it's okay to give me a kiss on Mm. the cheek. I'm okay with that. And she has honored my boundaries and she has been so incredibly receptive and teachable that we've rebuilt trust. Oh, that's awesome. And I feel safer in my body. And I don't feel as insecure or as enmeshed. We have healthy boundaries. And I think even though it looks different for me than it's looked for you, my goodness, it's worth it. Dan, as we begin this process and as we're going through it, duking it out with God, pounding the floor with our fist. What can we expect to happen? Oh boy. It's different for everybody. It's different for everybody. 
I, but I would suspect that you're going to have to go to some places that are very uncomfortable and praise God when we can go there and it enhances the relationship afterwards. But being willing to go there, being willing to at times own our own part in it. Like with my father wound, I can recognize times where my dad did try to reach out, but I put up the wall there. And yet I blamed him for not being as connected as I wanted him to be. So with a mother wound, there may be times where, yeah, maybe mom legitimately failed or did something inappropriate or she shouldn't have done and that we've reacted to and, and gotten wounded by. They may also be included in times where mom may have actually reached out, but because of our own brokenness, we rejected. And we do have to own that. We do have to repent of that and get healing. But in those areas where, yeah, there is a, a, a deep legitimate wound here, sometimes we have to just sit there with the Holy Spirit in that wound for a season and kind of look at it, kind of examine it, and then release it to him. And I don't mean that in a very flippant, give it to Jesus, brother, way, because it's not what this is about. But it's a very real, okay, God, this is here. This is why it hurts me. This is, this is some of the results of what happened that came out. But Lord, I'm going to ask you to take that pain and give me healing for it. And so sometimes it can look like, hey, Lord, would you give me a word that I can quote, that I can hold on to from you to replace the words that my mother spoke or maybe that my mother didn't speak over me? Would you give me a, a plan to move forward? Yeah. And also sometimes it's, would you teach me the skill sets? Because I didn't learn how to relate to women appropriately because of my mother wound. So, Lord, you know, would you give me the skill sets? I don't care if you're like me. I'm 59 years old. And in some ways, I'm still learning things that I should have learned when I was 12. But okay. I don't care if I'm 90. Lord, teach me the skill sets I didn't quite get because of the mother wound. And that we're always open for more healing and open, open for more growth. I think that's important. There, there's one other thing on my heart to share. You know, my mom ended up her years in an adult foster care home for the mentally ill. She was very docile at the end. And yet there was going to be no, no healing, no restoration, like you hear all these other people being able to do. And man, those are glorious testimonies. But in my case, no, this isn't going to happen. Mom and I are not going to have a deep conversation. And let's say even if she weren't docile, but she was you know, still dangerous, that conversation would never happen. And, and God doesn't need for that to happen to heal you of the mother wound. It, it doesn't depend on humans. It depends on you meeting with the Lord and opening up your heart to the Holy Spirit, regardless of how the other person responds, doesn't respond, if they're still alive, if not alive. They don't hold that power. The Holy Spirit does. And so regardless if, if whoever wounded you is alive or not or repentant or not, that healing is still very much available and very, very much worth seeking. I hear you saying we need to let go of our expectations. Yeah. Yeah. For what's going to happen to us personally and for how a parent or someone else might respond. Yeah. And let go of those demands that they actually act like a parent. Like, yes, they should. Yes. God wanted them to, but, let go of our expectations, our demands that they do. So that, Lord, I, I'm not in vain seeking it from a human anymore. That frees me up now to seek it from the Lord. And, and it's really a tangible thing. It's not just a religious thing that we say. It really is a tangible, quotable thing that God can do in our hearts to fill up those voids, to bring that healing, yes. and to empower us to go forward. We can expect much of God. Yes. Yes. We can expect much of this healing process when we immerse ourselves into it with brothers and sisters in Christ who have demonstrated their trust and yes. earned the right to hear our story. Right. I love how you say demonstrated their trust and, and their trustworthiness. That's an important thing, right? We're, we're not going to be able to trust everybody. Yeah. But that's part of overcoming the mother wound, right? We can learn that the Holy Spirit's our filter, our kind of our radar screen, if you will. Yeah. Which is really part of the job for the mom and the dad to teach the kid, right? Who to trust, who not to. And so we learn that from the Lord. Absolutely. Dan, as you have 
gone so far in your own sexual wholeness. What is it like for you now when some of those old fantasies and attractions come up toward other men? Yeah. Yeah. I wish I could say it was hundred percent same sex attraction free, but I'm not yet. Now I have tools and now I have people that are safe to talk to. So, you know, we have those times where it's the run in the mill temptation, right? We're driving down the freeway and we see a billboard that's got nasty things on it. And we just look the other way and we bounce our eyes. We keep going. We bounce our thoughts. Those are run of the mill temptations. Even Jesus had those temptations, right? And he was, he was victorious. But when those temptations are doing like one of these numbers, I've learned to use that as kind of like a dashboard indicator light in my car. Oh, there's a problem. And I'm being tempted to numb old pain or insecurity through the old sin of choice, whatever it happened to be. And so when those come now, first of all, I don't fall into this sea of condemnation. Man, I tell you what, it was compulsive before I got into healing, even with marriage, because again, marriage doesn't cure anything. It, it, it's a blessing, but it doesn't fix us. Even in marriage, I would have these compulsive, gnawing homosexual fantasies, a very visual person, and, and I would have to fight them and then hate myself for having to fight them. And now, through all the healing and the restoration and, 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 and the peace that God's brought me, I don't hate myself for those things anymore. I push them away as best I can. I bounce my thoughts. Even if I end up pushing play on the DVD player in my brain, okay, that's sinful. I have an accountability partner I can confess to. Hey, let, I let my mind go to the sewer, and I want to just bring that out into the light. And here I am, even as a ministry director. And I still need accountability, right? I still have times where I have to confess, hey, look, I let my mind go to the sewer and I want to bring that into the light. And so, but now there's no shame for it. I don't want to embrace it. I don't want it. But that self-hatred is gone. The shame is gone. And also, I can coach myself through these things. Like, okay, I'm being triggered right now. And I want to let my mind go to nasty places. Or I even want to look online and go to nasty places, whatever. But I realize it's because I'm feeling insecure. I'm feeling inferior. So I want to engage my, I call it the attraction profile or fantasy profile and find images that give me the illusion that I'm a good enough person. That's not going to work. So Jesus, I need to bring that into the light. And Lord, would you speak to my heart? Would you show me that I'm a good enough person? I'm never going to be a rocket scientist. I'm not smart enough. I am never going to be an Olympic athlete. I don't have the build, but I'm good enough. And I have other skill sets. And I can, I can celebrate my skill sets. I can acknowledge I don't have all of the skill sets. But the new part in having more peace in my heart is I can celebrate the skill sets of others without jumping into jealousy and envy Love and that. wanting to fantasize about someone because that person has better skills than me. So there's a lot more tools and a lot more yeah. peace, and it's great. And, and I think that's, I've learned to appreciate that. Like nobody likes pain, but when the Lord gets out a bigger shovel and does more deeper healing, I've learned to appreciate that. Let's endure this process. He sent me an awesome brother who has been my prayer partner for over 10, 12 years. And we're on the phone almost every week because we still need it. Sometimes we're just talking about ministry. And sometimes we're getting personal prayer. But I've learned to appreciate the, the dashboard indicator lights of something is wrong here mm -hmm. and realize God's only allowing it to come to the surface because he wants to heal it. So there's hope. There's not shame. There's hope. Let God heal it. Let God do the work. And I'm stronger on the other side. And, and that's so cool. That's so awesome. And I, I appreciate that so much about God. There is hope. Amen. And there's yeah. always more hope. Yes. Which is good because more is always needed. Right. And to me, it's God loves us too much just to say, yeah, good enough for you. See you in a few decades when you get to heaven. You know, we're, yeah. we're cool. We'll just put that on the shelf. He wants to be continually involved with us. Mm -hmm. And this is the other cool thing in, in healing from the mother wound, healing from the father wound, is I can accept that intimacy from Christ. And, you know, and back to me is my counseling couch. And when I get prayer ministry, my buddies in Florida, I'm in Detroit. 
and I'm on the phone and, and I've been doubled up on that couch, getting my own prayer ministry on more than one occasion, deep healing. And it's painful and healing at the same time. I kind of liken it to the root canal thing. And yet my favorite part about that is I get to see God, the father's heart towards me as a loving father. And God, the father's heart towards me, even in those areas of being the loving mother figure, if you will, or, or dispensing feminine healing. That's what I appreciate about healing, even more than the fact that we walk away healed and we walk away different is I get intimacy with the father in ways I've never imagined and would never be able to even experience if it wasn't for the healing process that he's put me on. Man, it's, you, you can't put the price tag on that. You can't put a value on that. It's, it's absolutely priceless and life-giving. It's so awesome and so worth it. God is so cool. Because we are priceless to him. Amen. Dan, what is your favorite thing about healing and freedom from porn? Oh, boy. My favorite thing is I don't hate myself. Brother, seriously. The amount of self-hatred that was going on and shame and condemnation, it was debilitating. It, it was debilitating. And I would find myself shrinking back. I knew I was called to ministry, but man alive, I am so terrible that I would shrink back and I wouldn't speak. I wouldn't move forward. And now that the self-hatred is gone, and yes, I've got tools to continue the fight in the battle, I feel freedom there. And I can talk to guys and feel like I'm a good enough guy. I don't, you know... I don't feel like I'm the reject of the gene pool for men somehow. I'm like a good enough redeemed man of God, which yes. is cool. And, and that's so freeing. And, and that's where I want to live. Yeah, me too. Dan, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, my pleasure, Drew. Thank you for having me. I'm going to put all of Dan's info and ways to connect with him in the show notes. You can find it there. And always remember... You are God's beloved son. In you, he is well pleased. Mm -hmm.